Are you ready for Chicago Bears football? You are listening to the Bears Bonanza Football Podcast. Stop it. Hosted by Bull Bearded Beauties, Gal and Danny Boy. You're the pride and joy of Illinois, Chicago Bears, Bear Dumb. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Chicago Bears Bonanza Football Podcast. Coming off of our actually very calm venting about uh, the George McCaskey presser. Uh, we're not going to spend so much time there, though obviously we'll be dumping back and forth and uh, you know sharing some thoughts. I want to talk a little bit today about some elements of the stadium in Arlington Heights. Let's look ahead to some of the different candidates. There's a long list of candidates for GM and coach. And in general, I kind of want to understand about how our structure works, how the Bears organizational structure works, and how it compares to other organizations, right? So you'll hopefully be able to shed some light on this. If not, I hope you could uh, comfortably BS your way through it, Samir. <laughs> well, I can do a bit of both, I think. Uh, it should not, be, should not be a problem, Danny. Wonderful. So the stadium. We heard rumblings about it. I mean, it's a full-time job, right? Ted can do everything, right? So that's Ted's main thing as of now, pursuing this yeah. next goal. Ted, Ted has informed me that he's going to be going to the stadium, Danny, right? Or he's going to be <laughs> – Ted has informed the Bears that, okay, Ted has a lot of power, man. Uh, President you know, Ted, Ted. Yeah. No, Ted, God, like, godly Ted. No, Ted is like the – you know, I used the Gandalf example uh, in the last show. He is like the Grimma worm tongue, or well, the, this is getting uh, very, this is very meta nerdy, <laughs> or, or the uh, Rasputin character. That's that's kind of what Ted Ted Phillips is. But it, uh, well, I suppose those those characters were capable, whereas Ted is not, right? So here's the thing. I think and this is why I wanted to talk about it. Where you know, over the summer, this this became a big story. It became a big kind of almost culture war you know, touch point for the fan base in terms of should the Bears move to the suburbs, the city. But I think everybody understands that we need a new stadium, right? Uh, that, you know, I, I go to Soldier Field. I think I went to all the home games except for the Bengals and the Packers games this year, right? So, I, I you know, I go to that stadium a lot. Um, that stadium is well, well past its prime, you know. Um, it, everyone understands you know, whether the stadium's in the city or in the suburbs, we need a new stadium, right? The Bears need a new stadium. Now, here's the problem. And I think this is where I think people were, the stadium watchers of, of, of Bears Twitterdom were a little worried. Number one, the Bears had to get sold on the Arlington Heights land plot. Which so we find out that from George himself, that Arlington came to them. They didn't go to Arlington. I don't know, Danny, if you caught that or not, but I thought that was so strange uh, that you would say that out loud, right? Because your lease is up in twenty thirty three uh, at Soldier Field, which is only it sounds like a long time, but listen, it takes six seven years to build one of these things. Um, uh, yeah. So. Um, what was your plan before Arlington came there, came to you? I, I, I think honestly, they didn't have one. Um, and, and that's something that should alarm people uh, who want a stadium. I mean, not every team owns their own NFL stadium. Uh, there's only, I, I suppose there's only three of them that don't. We're, we're one of those three. 
but it's it's one of those things where you're like okay uh they they weren't actively looking now that they have begun the process of putting the bid through which i have on good authority even for that they had to finance they didn't have the cash for it and then they have they have nothing to show for it it's been i think 6 months you don't they don't have a sketch they don't have they, they should have known that this was going to be asked cuz people are really interested and this is something that is really important to the financial solvency of the Chicago Bears and honestly the, the McCaskey family not to but nothing mention, to show for it not to mention that whatever you were going to do let's say if you wanted to stay in Chicago you should still go ahead and pursue this plan and even use that as leverage uh, for the city of Chicago for the city of Chicago to perhaps give you better terms. I mean, you have every incentive to move forward with plans. Yeah, even just drawing a sketch. <laughs> yeah, even just having some you know, modicum of that you were going to be moving forward with this. But yeah, I mean, the fact that they're going lackluster into this, it definitely doesn't make the city of Chicago want to move or budget all because... It doesn't seem like the McCaskey and the family is serious about pursuing this in some respects. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it seems, honestly, I mean, I'll just say it, it seems like a pipe dream now. Um, and because how, at, six months later, how at this stage can you not, it looks fine, you don't have a sketch, okay. But at least you have a vision of what you want that stadium to be, that place to be. You have an idea of what you're trying to build there. They don't even have that. Right, they're still talking to the city. I mean, I think George said they talked a few weeks ago. You, you know, but let, let's yeah. And if you want more information on this, there there are good people to follow on Twitter. Like Matt Carson is a good person to follow on Twitter. He's really inside all the rules and and, and things like this for for the Bears now or for 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 building stadium and NFL financing. Here's just just two quick facts. Right, the NFL team needs to have sixty percent of whatever the stadium is going to cost cash ready to go. Okay. So in the case, let's say it's a billion dollars. Okay. That means the McCaskies have to turn up with $600 million cash. It took them 12 years to build this new Hallis hall, right? Before they were, they were practicing at Lake forest college where the players would get on a school bus to go from the old Hallis Hall to the practice field at Lake Forest College. That was three years ago. You think they have $600 million cash? I'm sorry. Like, I don't see it. I just don't see it. And by the way, $600 million is is an unrealistic number because there's no stadium that's only going to cost a billion dollars. You know, the, the Minnesota stadium is a billion and a half, and that's one of the cheaper stadiums that's been built recently. So... Yeah, Danny, I, I don't know where where we're going to go with this. And, and you, could, you know, I don't want to dunk on the McCaskies too much more, but it's something where I think they dangle this idea in front of people's faces, but it's not something that actually exists. It's not something that exists in a serious way. You talk to serious finance people, and they're like, yeah, there's, there's no dynamic in which this is going to come to pass. Wow. Okay, well then, and how come it's only this information is more public recently? How come this wasn't a major talking point up until now that there's really no likelihood of this being able to pass? Well, finance is boring. 
for number one. Yeah, that's okay, the okay. that's the main reason, right? It's just Fair like enough, yeah. it's the same reason as why you know after two thousand eight, where the global economy almost exploded, ninety five percent of people could not tell you two coherent sentences about why that happened. Right? It's, yeah, the, same, yeah. it's, it's yeah. the same reason, right? Who, yeah, sure who wants to read about NFL finance rules? in the Chicago Tribune or on Twitter. Not not a lot of people. Only like the really hardcore nerds uh, like me <laughs> want to uh, do that, right? So so that, I think that's why. But I think, you know, it's I, – I think on Hogan and, and John's, they mentioned this as well because those guys, two guys were pretty plugged in. And I think both of them said, hey, listen, don't hold your breath on the stadium, I think is what they both said, right? It's It's something that it's not – going to be done in this decade it's probably not uh going to be something for this ownership group could be something for the next ownership group because you know like mark davis i think you know this guy right uh danny the the, the raiders owner the, the ginger hair with the with the bowl cut right yeah sure remember this guy <laughs> this guy that we don't i don't think we i think it's fair to say we don't rate him very highly. Yeah, I think it's fair to say, right? Um, not not the sharpest tool in the shed. But this guy figured out 10 years ago that I get a lot of cash from this Raiders business. I don't have a lot of cash. How can I get more cash? Because I need my own stadium. So he basically hired the right people 12, 10, 12 years ago, you know, business development type people, VC type people to basically take his money uh and put it to work and they what they did is nothing nothing fancy they bought they they had a uh, partnership with yum brands which is you know owned by pepsi which owns like taco bell kfc all this kind of stuff to open up a few hundred of these franchises all over the world right and it was the raiders that were going to be paying for this you know so a simple business like this a cash business that you need but stable income afterwards that's independent of your football team so then he borrowed money against that the Bears don't have any businesses outside of the Bears. Or sorry, the McCaskies don't have any businesses outside the Bears. We know this for a fact. Um, so even that guy put it together. And our owners didn't put it together. You know, um, and it just goes to show you where, you know, I think the McCaskies are uniquely, they're uniquely backwards let's put it that way um well, <laughs> on, on this thing i mean but, even just the nature now the nature of this glorious glorious george house history actually served as an impediment to the future of this franchise because you know these people feel like you know they were literally they were like we were born to do this it's like yeah, oh yeah that's the only qualifications you have where even if somebody was to buy the bears they would have spent their hard-earned money or a lot of money to get it, etc. But their urgency, their built-in urgency and desire, is, it's just something they were literally born with. Yeah, exactly. And it, they just don't have the chip that drive. It just, you know, and no it's two generations it. in, right? Because Virginia doesn't have it either, right? Because she's a trust fund person as well, right? So now her the George and Ed and Brian, who's supposed to be the smart one, um, they're all second generation trust fund kids, right? So just like, and even if like they had the best intentions, even if they had the best intentions, right? Well, beat this team, but still, really thinking, you're like, no, I really want to do this, but 
you know, you don't have that chip. You don't have that. Yeah, and this is why, and I think this segues into our next topic. Spend this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I yeah, I lost you there for a second. Go for it. Yeah, no, but I think this this is this brings us into our next topic in terms of like structure and why it's important for the Bears because the Bears, listen, we have a unique management, we have a unique ownership situation, right? People think that George McCaskey is the owner. He is not. George McCaskey is the chairman of the trust fund. He's he's the chairman of the Bears, which is appointed by the trust fund, which owns the Bears. That's the structure. That's the kind of ownership structure, right? There are fifty four people in that. Uh, Bears structure, uh, ownership group. McCaskey is representing them. So it's not like one person that's um, that you have to kind of deal with here. So, okay, so, yeah, so structure, you know, because because you have this specific dynamic with the, the McCaskies, it kind of, you know, and I, we're, we're not going to get into it again, this kind of low ambition, but demand for, prestige and and not maybe the sharpest tools in the shed it creates a complex thing and this has real ramifications on what the structure should be now if i look at this the bears job i think this is a very attractive job danny wouldn't you agree uh (laughs) that's an understatement absolutely yes right so the athletic did a poll of nfl front office executives and gms they ranked the bears job as the second worst. And, oh, the, wow. I, and the reason was the owners. So, okay. yeah. the, so there's a different, so I know as fans, when we look at this stuff, we look, we have Justin Fields. Yeah. The cap is a little tight next year, but it really opens up in 2023. It's a big market. It's, you know, you could if you if you're successful here, you're opening up steakhouses for the rest of your life, and you're set for life, right? Yep. Uh, you would in Jacksonville, nobody gives a damn, right? Yep, there, um, there'll be statues erected of you throughout the city. I mean, oh yeah, it's a real deal. So we think it's uh, a very prestigious, big time job, but the people that we're interviewing, eh, maybe not so much, right? They need some see. Convincing. This is interesting. You know, this is interesting to me. Okay, so I'm sure there is rumblings and they hear about, you know, the Chicago uh, infrastructure there and it's perhaps not as enticing, but it's still a major market and it's just so due for a championship and Bears fans are some of the most hardcore fans. So you will be, I mean, people will hoist you around the city. They'll hoist you on their, onto their shoulders throughout the city. I mean, you'd be a legend. So I... I, I do find that hard to believe, especially that I thought that the, the new GM and the new coaching position, from what I heard on Twitter, so take that for what it's worth, um, it was a, you know, a coveted position, coveted positions. So well, I'm quite surprised. The, yeah. Well, I mean, all the jobs are coveted, right? There are 32 jobs, right? So, I mean. Jacksonville? Well, I mean, listen, they have Trevor Lawrence. Um, I think they also have an insane owner as well, by the way. I mean, that, that owner is, is, is totally, is totally baffling to me as well, but listen, there's so much information that is rumor around the McCaskies, right? We, you, you don't know a lot about them now and, and you can go either way, right? There is part of me that says I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind working for somebody like the McCaskies because they're not around and they know that they, they, they know that on some level, they don't know what they're talking about. 
However, what we don't know, and this is the case I always made for Ryan Pace, we don't know what they do want and how they communicate that to the football people. Um, like we have no idea. The only thing we knew this year was that uh, George wanted Ryan to get a franchise quarterback and make the playoffs. And we kind of and had yeah, to, by the way, and George, we kind of George, joked around about that. When George communicates, George is like, listen, I am open-minded to hear on how, you know, a GM would want to run these things. You know, obviously he needs to say that because, you know, he's in the interview process. He doesn't want to discourage anybody. But at the same time, when he does have them in his office, do you think that's consistent? He's just like, no, just because in the end, I, we, I almost wish he would have said, listen, Ryan, I don't mind, you know, you trading up for certain people. But, you know, we believe in having a lot of picks. Okay. So the thing is, this is not something we want to be a regular thing. So, I mean, you could just tell that they let Pace continue to do that and to continue to give up a, you know, draft uh, uh, capital that well, this is... they don't really have those opinions. I mean, right? No, no, 100%. I agree with you. I mean, this is where your culture becomes important, right? And culture is not just some buzzword, right? Culture is basically the behaviors that you allow to happen. Uh, that culture is um, the, the culture is basically what you tolerate, right? And, and, and it's oh, your what expectation you of what you want. Yeah, yeah and what you yeah. encourage, right? That's, that's what culture is. And George is kind of wishy-washy, I think. I, I don't George think... just says, I like wins. I like wins. I like wins. I like playoff victories. I mean, it's like, George, it's empty, you know? It, yeah. It's not saying anything. Come on. It's like, well, how, how do you want to win? Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> well, then, well then, then shut your mouth then. I'm sorry. Like, if, like what, what do you want to be? Do you want to have sustained success where, hey, listen, we're going to have some – we're going to have a couple of – down years but you can evaluate me on that third year because i think this is what we're going to be able to do are you going to are we going to be a running team and a defensive team because then that's going to change the way on who i hire the coaches that i bring in the training regiment that i have right uh, all these things are going to change if that's what you want if that's what you want you're the owner i will do it if you want to do a running game and defense heavy team that's our culture that's what we're, we're going to do we'll do it well he did but make they're it not. clear but the thing is yeah it's true, but then he did have those adjectives. He's like, well, you know, what do you want out of this team? And he made that list of adjectives, opportunistic, this or that, which some could argue that, yeah, he does just want this really good defensive team to be opportunistic, but nothing of that is kind of forward thinking or break away from the Bears of old, which is great nostalgia, but not a recipe for a winning team in this uh, decade. No, I, listen, I 100% agree with you. I think <laughs> if, you're, if you're a dad who's running the ball and playing great defense, you're not going to win a lot of games. But at least do that well, right? If that's, yeah. gonna be, if that's what you're yeah. going to do, then at least do it well, right? And we don't, right? Because there's not yeah. no real thing there, exactly. right? There's no, no real, exactly, there's... because in the end, maybe you could be like the Giants then, and you know, where you just have you know, a good enough QB, but you have this really potent defense, and you get into the playoffs with 9-7, and seven, and... Uh, you know, you, you might surprise some teams and win a Super Bowl, right? Yeah, at least if that is you to really own that and do it well. Yeah, so but we don't even do that well, right? So it's, you know, and, and, and you know, I, I think culture is one of those things that's overused. But I think this, let's, let's get into the structure and let's get it, let's, let's divorce this into two different sections, right? The, what we're looking for, what, what, what do you think we're missing from the Bears? Because I think we both, or at least I think that Ryan Pace, I mean, should have been fired for sure. But I think 
my main issue with Ryan Pace was that his job was too big for, the, you know, at the time, a 35-year-old. And he didn't get any support. And he just he just started taking shortcuts. That was my yeah. big issue uh, with Pace. Um, how do we avoid that, Danny? What is the kind of – what is the – the thing that you think we're missing and what are kind of some of the questions that you have for the bears organization? I mean, you know, it's tricky because obviously I don't have insight. I'm not, you know, with a magnifying glass over the organization, but I mean, there's something to be said. It's just like some of the, just like you're looking for talented players. It goes all the way up the ladder. You know, you want really talented scouts that really have an eye for the game. And in the end, we do have certain talent when it comes to, you know, defense. We've always somehow found a way to really nab some random defensive linemen, right. And lay it around and have them be ballers on the team. Right. But, um, have any, Hey, there's not really much of an analytics department. We know that, but we don't have, you know, talented people to be able to uh, recognize like, Right, you see so many uh, franchises like the Steelers keep receivers, or the Bengals. The Bengals always find a way now to have just a baller receiver. It's like the wide receiver is always just bare, bare cupboards, man. Um, so the thing is, yeah, we have not been able to just draw certain talent or recognize talent. So, you know, that's because that means that maybe the people at the top need to be fixed. So it's a bit vague about yeah, it. Right? So it's interesting because I think to me, you know, words matter, labels matter, I suppose, right? And we keep referring to this job as the GM job. It's not really the GM job, though. It's the football czar job. I think this is the thing. And, you know, we have to listen, I guess, to when George tells us he really values Ryan Pace because he helped build House Hall. Right, and I think when we when we listen to that, we we think to ourselves, who cares? <laughs> like, why is that important? Here's a picture of the Alabama training room. Give me that, and then the project manager who gives me that. You know, we're not going to say, "Oh, yeah, Ryan did a good job." Right? When when you come to my house, uh, and I'm proud of the place I live in, I don't t- I don't sh- tell you about the plumbing. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's I don't go. Oh, I'm proud of them. I didn't put that together. I just bought that. So it's strange when I hear, you know, George talk about Ryan Pace and say, oh, yeah, he did so much with us with, with House Hall. But because Ryan's job, that job is the president. That job is actually the president. It's the football czar. So the person who understands, because, and I think I, I will give George some credit. He knows, he knows on some level, I think privately maybe, that he needs some help. He just doesn't know how to necessarily go about doing it. And I think so. Like when I when I start looking at these candidates, the thing I'm not I'm not looking at the players they drafted and are they good or not and and things like this, right? Because I think we already have people in the building like Champ Kelly and Mark Sandowski that can do that part of the job already. What we're missing is someone who can manage the ownership and someone who can create a structure for sustained winning. We don't have that at all. So I was looking this up, Danny. We have 90 people who work in our front office, which is a, you know, Ryan Pace effectively doubled the size of the front office. The next smallest front office 
and you mentioned the team, it's the Bengals. Take a guess how many people they have working for them in the front office. Enlighten me. 140. The NFL average is 250. We have 90. So when I say, like, so look at these, like, as as companies, right? This is the way I want people to think about it, right? Just because, because you can look at the structure, right? Listen, the the structure the Bears are implementing is not an uncommon structure where you have the GM slash president reporting to the owner. However, not all CEOs, not all presidents are the same, right? The CEO of Apple is not the same as the CEO from Jamba Juice, okay? Yeah, they're technically CEOs. There's technically a board. There's technically a shareholder group one is more complicated and difficult than the other right and if you have a 90 person organization i don't know if that's a functional organization if that's a functional company to compete in the nfl so for me that's really what i'm looking for from this kind of gm president football's our role is somebody who can build a company that's what i want yeah, and to to even know, to even have the smart people around them to know what they don't know, know what's missing. Like, what what are we missing? Do we need to get more analytics? Do we need to invest more in me- science medicine, right? Because we just don't understand why our players are getting injured more than others. And, you know, we did see in the Pace era that, you know, there was tweaks in there. And so, you know, previous seasons, there were a lot of defensive injuries. And then the next year, all of a sudden, you know, we weren't as – you know, there weren't people getting a lot of like soft tissue injuries, Alshon Jeffrey uh, injuries, you know? So all these little tweaks make a huge difference, right? But the thing is you have to have somebody even consider that and everybody's very busy. So yeah, it is, it is striking to hear those numbers and say, wow, like what, what jobs just aren't being done? What details are just not even, there's just not even enough time in the day to even begin to entertain considerations of analytics etc it's uh it was only five years it was only five years ago where the bears split scouting department into college and pro right before it was the same department right uh during the phil emery time it was the same department so there's definitely something here right where you know the 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 man and and you're you you work in corporations right you know when you have to ask for money and ask for headcounts you need to put together a business case to the people who are going to be approving your budget. Like that, like micro skill <laughs> is what this next guy needs to have, because there's a reason why the bears are not doing those things. And it's, it's almost surely the McCaskies. I do think Ryan Pace, I don't think he's dumb. Right. I think he knows, especially the front office he came from has 300 people in the, in the, uh, the saints front office. And then he gets here. When, I think when he got here, I don't know how many people there were. There, there's 90 now. Um, and Ryan is really kind of credited for kind of, you know, bringing a lot of these people in, break, making, the, making the team larger. He's the one who decided to say, hey, maybe, maybe we need a department to look at all NFL players so we know who the good players in the league are. Maybe that's a good idea, right? Um, yeah, I call it a hunch. It might be a good idea. That, that might be kind of smart, right? So he... So that's like what he created, you know, so I give him credit for that. And I'm glad he did that. But that now that needs to be amplified massively. We used to, I remember last year we, we dunked on the bears for their LinkedIn posts 
like in terms of like what jobs were being offered and what the what the salaries for those jobs are we were just kind of dumbfounded you know like there's a problem on that side you know you, it's going to be difficult to get sustained success if you and, and it, it doesn't have to be analytics or or you know it doesn't have to be one of those things specifically but why is it that we employ 50 people less than the Bengals? You know, uh, that seems, you know, bizarre to me. Like, what, what, how are we competing? With the... yeah, it's either foolish, it's either foolish or it's arrogant or maybe a little bit of both. Yeah. It's, uh, and so, I don't yeah. know which, which is worse. That, that's, that's, uh, I think it's, cool. I think, I think it's because the fundamental problem is remember all these people's salaries that comes out of the McCaskey cut. Now, this is and this is where like the stadium and the finance linking back to our first conversation becomes important. Like your owners need to have money because if they don't have money, you get this kind of stuff. Right. Because I think a lot of times they'll go, oh, no, the, the, the Bears have spent the third most in terms of their on players during the Ryan Pace era. But that's money they can't spend on anything other than players anyway. Right? There's no way the McCaskies can eat that money, salary cap money. They can't eat it. The NFL rules prevent them from just saying, oh, you know, this year we're only going to spend 50% of cap and we're going we're gonna to take that money and put it into our pockets. You can't do that. It's the rules, the, the rules are tell you that you can't do that. Right? So, but on all the other stuff, it's quite cheap. It's really cheap. Because I, and is it cheap or do they just not have money and do they have, not, have any ambition? There's no business development manager for the Chicago Bears. The only team in the NFL that don't have that person. Right. So it's a very strange. So it's things like this that the owner is going to the, the, this this person is going to have to look into. Um, honestly, the people who are going to be picking the players, they're already on this team. It's Chad Kelly and Mark Sandowski. They're already here. Right. It's, so that part to me is not even the important part. It's the it's all the other stuff. And then the coaching, I think the coaching is a pure culture job at this point. I, I'm not a fan of the naggy BU nonsense. Um, and that's a personal preference and that's my own bias, but I, I, I'm not a fan of that, that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah. So do you, now I know you're not like totally in on all the names for the, these guys. Is there anyone that stuck out to you, Danny, or is there anyone that kind of you thought was interesting? Well, let me look at that. Let me look at my list here. I mean, I got to pull up the list here. So let's see. Leslie Frazier, no. Doug Peterson, no. That's a bit weird why he was just suddenly winning in a Super Bowl and then out at the Eagles. Brian Dobble, Bills OC. Mm. Offense is, that offense is a bit strange. I mean, is the quarterback just such a beast? Offense move because all of a sudden, you know, they have no running game whatsoever. I mean, Byron Leftwich, offensive coordinator. There's a lot of interesting names. Obviously, everybody's talking about Harbaugh, which is exciting to think, okay, maybe we need a strong personality. And he needs to be able to have really kind of creative reins, right? So um, how about you, man? How about you? Who, who are you leaning towards? So uh, I'll tell you who I'm not leaning towards. Is One is Brian Dable. I, I, so I, I watched every Bills game this year because – the hype for him was was pretty high. I don't get it. I see Josh Allen doing amazing, so <laughs> you know, yeah, all structured things to. all the time. That's what it seems their, to me. Yeah. Their running game is the worst, just at a conceptual Non-existent. level. Non-existent. It's the worst running game I've seen in, in football. It's And the only reason they 
they, they are able to get anything on the ground is because of Josh Allen. You know, Josh yeah. Allen's giving you 40 yards or 50 yards of game rushing. That's why he's the number one fantasy quarterback, right? So um, I, 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 I don't see it. I don't see – and when you hear him speak, you're like, ooh, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's going to work either, right? So I, I'm out on him. It's funny that, you know, Leslie Frazier – I'm not a fan there either. Uh, if you're going to go defensive coordinator, you have to be you, – you have to show me that you can put together, like, defenses consistently that are, like, great. His defenses have always been okay. He is, like, a very wishy-washy statesman-type person, which, you know, I'm not, I'm not that into. Uh, the guy that I really do like is – I have two, two names, Danny, for coach. Um, Brian Flores from Miami. I think he's really interesting. Um, a few things about Brian Flores. So before he went to Miami three years ago, he was being groomed, not Josh McDaniels, as the heir apparent to Bill Belichick in New England. So, um, I think if Bill, (laughs) Bill's eye for coaching maybe he's not been great so maybe this is not a maybe someone was listening to this and go oh that now i'm definitely out right but that tank for two a year they won six games with that terrible roster then the next year again with a really bad roster because they're tanking they're still they're just coming out of the tank i suppose they go 10 and 6 and then this year with all of the craziness and 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 tua and and and, and tua i think is a bottom five quarterback he's much worse than Mitch Trubisky ever was. He is terrible. Uh, they still go nine and eight, and yeah. they have some good defensive players, and they have the worst, one of the worst offensive lines in football. They're able to, he's able to figure out problems. That's what I want from my coach. I want a problem yes. solver. Well, this, this is my, this is my biggest the ability to adjust. Because wow, man, Nagy had no ability to adjust coming off the bye, coming into second half. This is where. Matt Nagy just showed you are out of your league. You are you are completely outcoached in all respects, outmanned, outgunned. Every element of the game, everybody had you. They had your number. So I want somebody to really to be able to a, a type that has a a resume of being able to adjust after the buy, coming out in the second half and flipping the script, and and being the ones who are doing the tricking, not being tricked. So exactly. one more name, and then we're going to wrap it up. One, one more name, uh, yeah. There, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, call it quits. Yeah. So the and so Brian Flores. I mean, for me, he's my one. I don't the, the the second coach that I would want. You know, it's it's a it's I guess it's Harbaugh, but it's way further down the list. I'm really in on Flores. I like the idea of Flores uh, because again, with these OCs and DCs, you you don't really know what each one of them does. Remember, Matt Nagy was chalk. He was the number one guy. Right. Uh, and when Man Nagy was hired, because he was going, he was linked to like three other teams. We were pumped that we got Matt Nagy because he was like the number one guy coming up. And by the way, the I Bears of general. What do you mean, no, number three? I thought he was three that year. I thought he was just, he was one of the top, but I don't remember him being the top. But okay. I know. I think he was a like, but we've done this a lot, though. Like Dave Wanstead was like the top guy. Remember, he was the defensive coordinator for those Dallas Cowboys teams that were oh, just yeah. murdering people. Right. right. So we've done like, and that's why I have a kind of I'm a little apathetic about this. I'm much more interested on the other side, uh, the the GM camp. And these are the, just a one thirty seconds on each. Rick Smith from the Texans, 
works for worked for a completely lunatic owner um who passed away and then now it's a complete mess but like you look at his track record there managing complex ownership groups he's done a fantastic job there and the texans in that era with jj watt um starting with jj watt ending with the uh with uh deshaun watson was they were excellent and then the second guy is omar khan he's the one if he is truly available this is the kind of big news from yesterday was that this the, the bears put in an interview for him so omar khan is steven uh uh, uh not steven colbert uh oh god I can't, the first name I can say is uh something colbert from from the steelers who's considered to be one of the best presidents in football uh, for the Steelers, he the Bears put in an offer for him. Now, if you could get that guy, uh, a guy with a clear track record of establishing a culture, processes, um, uh, organization builder, if you can get that guy, you if you if you're interviewing him, you 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 make the offer at the end of the interview. It's like he he should be interviewing you. Right, you should give that guy everything that he wants because he's the, the Steelers culturally process wise. There's nobody better. Them, it's them and the Ravens at the very top of the league. So if you get a guy like Omar Khan and then Brian Flores, I think this this team has maybe not for 2022, but I think going forward, a lot of things to be excited about. All right, well, you're getting me excited because you know we just we definitely need hope at this point. That's what we're. That's what's keeping us positive at this point. It's just like the hope of a new era and that whatever George and Soup and Bill Polina are thinking that they pull Soup. the right pieces and maybe this could work out. Do you think, well, I'm just going to say this, perhaps maybe the next time that we speak, we might have a GM and a head coach. I mean, these things happen quickly. It could happen within the next seven, 10 days, would you say? Yeah, I mean, definitely the next time we speak, we will have – because otherwise we won't have anything to talk about. Yeah, true, true. We could always bitch about – we could always bitch about 10 more, but no, everybody else is already tired of that. So, listen, next time we speak, I'm guessing it's going to be sometime around this time next week. We might already have those people in place, and we'll definitely be having lots to say about them. So, uh, sit tight, folks. Hope you enjoyed this kind of off-season episode. We're going to be doing a lot of these here, getting into some, you know, details off of just the X's and O's, right? Talking about the stadium, talking about the structure, getting a little more into depth about the family, etc. So uh, in the meantime, I think you folks should definitely bear down. Bear down. We'll never forget the way you thrill the nation With your teeth formation Bear down, Chicago Bears And let them know why you're wearing the crown You're the pride and joy of Illinois Chicago Bears, bear down Stop Bears This is my Bears, people